0: This is the Shameless Mom Academy, episode 787 with Taylor Morrison. Show notes for this episode, including any links mentioned in the episode, can be found by going to shamelessmom.com and clicking on episode 787. All right, let's dive into today's episode. Taylor Elise Morrison turned being bad at self-care and being firmly convinced of every human's potential into a career. She's the founder of the media company Inner Workout and the author of a book by the same name. Recently named one of Fortune 10's innovators shaping the future of health, Taylor is tired of the aspirational wellness as usual. Instead, she builds businesses, content, and experiences that make well-being and personal development more accessible. You're just as likely to see Taylor facilitating a workshop at a Fortune 100 company as you are to see her talking about TikTok and body image with a high school class. Wherever she goes, Taylor's sure to use her coaching, mindfulness, and movement training to meet people where they're at and offer actionable steps toward creating a world without burnout. I knew pretty quickly into this conversation that it was going to be really good. And oh my goodness, I have been really excited to share this interview with you because it reminds me of so much of my work when I was in the fitness industry and I'm seeing so much of the harm and damage of the fitness industry being replicated in the self-care industry. And so I was really excited to talk to Taylor about what she's been seeing, especially given her level of expertise and experience in this field. And we're real aligned. (laughs) We are very aligned in what we have seen, what we believe, what we, you know, really hold near and dear as values around all of this. And I think that you all are going to enjoy listening in and also find yourself probably cheering alongside this conversation and also really staying in this conversation alongside us as you make decisions around your own health moving forward. So, I'm excited for you to listen you might want to share this episode with your friends who are talking about self-care and how they like are judging themselves around being bad at it and not doing it well enough and not having all the right like new i don't know like facial massagers or whatever so i'm excited for you to listen and learn a lot listen in to hear taylor share the difference between self-care and self-expertise the problem around accessibility in the self-care industry how to make choices by asking yourself, is it the self or is it the system that is the problem when you're questioning yourself and your needs, how to start grounding yourself and growing your roots in your self-expertise, the importance of knowing how your inner wisdom specifically speaks to you, and how to become a better communicator as you become a better self-expert. Ooh, there's so many great mindset shifts in here. I think you're going to love this. I can't wait to hear what you think. So please pop over and share with us on social media after you've listened in. And with all that, let's go ahead and welcome Taylor Morrison to the Shameless Mom Academy. Taylor, welcome to the Shameless Mom Academy. I'm so excited to have you here today. Thank you so much for having me. So when your team reached out about talking about your book and the work that you do around the inner workout. I was really excited because you are taking this almost cliche notion of self care and flipping it on its head a bit and making it do the critical work that it's meant to do for us to actually be able to get what we need from ourselves and also honor ourselves in really important ways that I think sometimes when the media digs into self care, they kind of miss the mark on. So I'm really excited to dive into all that with you today. And we always start with Talking about the dynamics of your personal and professional life beyond your bio and what you're most excited about right now. So let's start there.
1: Yeah, I love that you start with that conversation. So, I guess professionally, I like to say that I develop leaders who care. And I studied leadership at Vanderbilt. I knew that I was really interested in how people work and how people work together. I did not think that I would have a career in (laughs) self care because I'm naturally pretty bad at self-care. So it's a little ironic. I think it keeps me honest because I feel the need to continually do this work. And if my intrinsic motivation is not enough, the extrinsic motivation that I've built so much, um, so many resources and tools around self-care often allows me to like get back into using my tools. I think outside of what's on my bio and what I'm really interested in right now. I guess one thing that is professionally related is I've I've been thinking so much about like well-being at work and how the people who are leading us and leading organizations have such a big impact on our well-being, but so m- often workplaces want to tell us like, yeah, just like have a pizza party or just breathe a little bit and that's going to fix everything. And it's like, no, if I have a bad manager, that's not going to help yeah. a lot. And then personally, I've been really into making paper. That's my new obsession right now. Like say more about that. Like physically making pieces of paper. Yeah. Physically making pieces of paper. I don't do, (sighs) there are people who get all like very in depth with it. I'm into upcycling other pieces of paper and turning them into new sheets of paper and like putting dried flowers and stuff into it. It's a very sensory experience that I love. Yeah. I find it
0: sounds crafty to me and crafty things, regardless of whether or not you consider yourself artistic, I think crafty things can often feel really therapeutic. Like it is its own inner workout, right? (laughs) So it's like you following your own advice. (laughs)
1: 100%. And it just really slows me down. And even like the drying process takes forever. So it's teaching me a lot about patience. Oh, I love that. Very, very cool. So let's talk a little bit about self-expertise,
0: which is what you really specialize in. This is where we can start to differentiate between self-care and self-expertise. And can you talk about where one ends and the other begins, or maybe some misconceptions around self-care and why we really should be looking more into self-expertise as a means of taking care of ourselves?
1: Yeah. So I guess I'll start to clarify. And this is another thing that I kind of stumbled into my career is that I do a lot of clarifying what I mean by things because self care, especially the mainstream, has just like co opted that term and made everything hashtag self care. So when Mm -hmm. I talk about self care, I talk about listening within and responding in the most loving way possible. So I'm not thinking of you following some celebrities whatever it might be, 10 steps to having the perfect morning, or I'm not talking about you trying to retrofit yourself into some other person's program. It's really about you connecting with yourself, understanding what you need, and then giving yourself what you need from a place of love and care and compassion. Mm -hmm. So that's what I mean when I talk about self-care, which is pretty different than what we've been sold around self-care, which is about Spending the most time, spending the most money, emulating other people. Mm. And when we practice self-care the way that I talk about it, it leads us into this place of self-expertise where we feel really grounded in the knowledge that we have about ourselves, where in the mainstream version of self-care, it is about emulating other people. This seems to work for them. I want to be like them. So I'm going to copy paste what is working for them. When we're really listening within and responding with love, it leads to the self-expertise where I understand what works for me today, and I'm okay with the fact that it might be different than what works for me tomorrow or in three months. And I realize that I am my own best expert. I stop looking for other people to tell me exactly what I should be doing. And I'm really confident in the fact that I can give and receive care to myself and or i can realize you know what i don't have the capacity to give this to myself it's time to seek some external support but it's coming from a place of i've got this not from a place of they know better than me
0: yes oh my goodness i was trying to write on like 15 things at one time as you were talking because there's so many pieces of that that i think are so true and so significant and also i think maybe new to our listeners because, like anything in capitalism, when the marketplace can determine, like, oh, we can make some money on this, then the marketplace starts to say, "This is what you need. This is what you need. This is what you need." And to your point, then it becomes us emulating what we see celebrities doing, what we see paid advertisers doing, and it really takes away from that listening inward and listening with love, which I th- and and trusting that I am my own best expert. So I think that's so significant. I also think that it's really important to talk about accessibility, and when we look at mainstream self-care as an industry, a lot of it's not accessible. Like it's really lovely to say like, get a massage once a week and like have a girlfriend spa day and do all these things. But you're like, I don't happen to have $500 for that right now. And so I think that it, self-care can quickly become inaccessible, whether it's from a financial standpoint or often for moms from a an time and energy standpoint, where you're just like, yeah, that would be lovely to go to the spa. And maybe I even do have the money, but do I have six hours? No, I don't. So when we look at the accessibility of self-care, the way it's promoted mainstream versus what you just talked about with becoming your trusting that you are your own best expert and you know what you need then all of a sudden what you actually need might shift really dramatically and access to that might shift dramatically as well.
1: Absolutely. And accessibility in self-care and wellness is something I think about a lot. Like the first line of my book is, this is not an aspirational wellness book. It can't be because Mm -hmm. I'm writing it. And one of the things I did in starting the book that I wish I would have seen a lot of other people did is I actually listed out, a lot of the privileges that I have. I tried my best to be accessible and intersectional as I wrote it. But I also said like, you know what? I'm married to a man. I may work for myself, but he has health insurance. We know that like, if everything hit the fan, we'd be able to go live with one of our families. Like, Mm -hmm. I think it's important for us to name what is informing, especially for folks like us who have some type of platform to name like I'm trying my best, but also these are some of the privileges that are informing my experience. So if it falls short for you, or if you're getting different results, know that we may be starting from different points. Absolutely. Are you familiar with the book? Rest is
0: resistance.
1: Yes, I am. It's on my TBR. I haven't read it yet.
0: Oh my gosh. It's so good. So in rest is resistance by Tricia Hersey, and I'm not positive I'm spelling or uh, saying her last name correctly, but it's H-E-R-S-E-Y, I believe she talks about how she was able to build rest into her life when she was living this very grueling schedule as a single mom and grad student. And she talks about like getting up at 6am in the morning, having to get her child or taking the bus, multiple buses across town to get her child into childcare, then taking another bus to campus to get into class on time. Classes started at 9am. Then she had classes and work throughout the day, um, work study throughout the day. Then she had to get back across town to get her child, get home at night, study for her classes for the next day. It's just like very long grueling schedule And she talks about within that, how she was able to find moments to take care of herself. Once she recognized like, oh, wait, I am living in a system that was so built for me to fail in every way. And that was only built for me to be successful if I hustle until I'm near dead. And so she had to find ways to like intersperse how to take care of herself in moments of that day and like what was accessible to her in that season. And it was recognizing like, what do I have? Okay. I have a moment on the bus to close my eyes and not study, but close my eyes and just like be with my thoughts. And so it's looking at what's accessible to any person in any time. And that can look like so many different things. And I think that it's important to recognize where we have privilege and then also where we can't or don't want to do the things in the more aspirational sense and instead do it in a way that works for us.
1: Absolutely, and now you're making me even more excited to read that book. (laughs) I think you'll love it.
0: I'm almost done with it, and it's like the book. I feel like once a year, I like find a book that I recommend to everyone, and this is this is like the 2023. Like everyone needs to read. Rest is resistance. Yeah, it's really because it does make you see, and she so brilliantly writes around, you know, through the lens of writing as a black woman and writing through the lens of capitalism and, and what white supremacy has done to all of us, but specifically for black women. And it really opens your eyes to how we all fall in line and just kind of follow trends that are meant to serve very few people, but we all think we need to like get in line and kind of do things in a certain way. And I think when it comes to self-care, we're taught that certain things work for everyone. And I think that it's really about finding what works for us. And I think your, your example of making paper is so perfect for that. (laughs) Can you talk about how you learned about your own self-expertise a little bit?
1: Yeah. I mean, I grew up in diverse, but predominantly white environments. And I think for a long time, and then went into ultimately into kind of the wellness personal development space, which Mm -hmm has diversity, but a lot of the people who you see like the most mainstream at the highest levels do not look like me. And Mm -hmm. so I had to do a lot of my own work to realize I don't actually have to aspire to be like the people who came before me or the people who are the most popular or widely known. I can find in finding what works for me, And acknowledging that what works for me doesn't work for everyone. It actually allowed me to build a community that like whenever we do things for the inner workout community, I'm always like tearing up because people are so empathetic and willing to hear from each other and their different experiences in a way that I don't see in every wellness space. I've definitely been to yoga classes where I'm the only black person or even like I talk about in the book, I grew up doing ballet and ballet has a very specific body that you're supposed to have. That does not look like my body. So I Mm -hmm. felt like my body was bad and wrong when I was in middle school, trying to get strong enough to go on point and all of this stuff. And I had to realize like, I'm not the problem. A question that I pose to the inner workout community sometimes is like, is it the self or is it the system? And that has really helped me lean into my own expertise? Like, is this something that is within my locus of control, something that I am able to change, something that I have room to grow in? Or is it a system and a structure that wasn't made with me in mind? Is this a research study that didn't have anyone who looked like me? Is this something from like a brand that only wants to talk to a specific demographic and then say that? they work for everyone. So it was a lot of just realizing, oh, I'm not the problem here. And let me create spaces where people can see themselves rather than perpetuating the systems that make us all, because I'm speaking from my experience as a Black woman, but the systems that we exist within are not doing anyone any favors.
0: I swear it's like, So it feels like such a big win. So I want you to go check out Mysteries About True Histories wherever you listen to podcasts. You can tune into Mysteries About True Histories with your kids. You can follow and listen on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts, wherever you're listening to this podcast. So go check out Mysteries About True Histories to listen in and have some fun with your kid while they learn today. I love that question. Is it the self or is it the system? such an important question as we start to realize and acknowledge the ways that we've been socialized, the ways that stomach oppression looks across so many different communities that have been marginalized. And when we're looking at women, when we're looking at women of color, when we're looking at moms in the workplace, when we're looking at, there's all these different categories um, of people who listen to this podcast, who I know relate to those three categories specifically. It's really easy to feel like it's the self because we're our self trust is eroded from such a young age. If we are socialized, for people socialized as women, for sure, people who are not socialized in, or people who are white people and people who are white males are given very different levels of access to s- trusting themselves and being heard and being seen in ways that don't have to question themselves the same ways as everyone else, and everyone listening to this show and all the examples that you gave. I think your example of being like the only black woman in a yoga class is such a great example and a powerful example of that. And so that question of, is it the self or is it the system is a really big question to grapple with, but I think it really gives us that space to look inward and dismiss the noise a bit.
1: Yeah. Or to take responsibility if it is, but I find like, there's a yeah. lot of things where it's like, oh, there's a little element of me, but there's a big element of the system.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And to be able to do that in community with other people must be so, inc- I mean, like you said, it brings you to tears because to be able to honor that in community with other people. And we see this in our community to recognize like, oh, it's not me. It's that this system was never meant for, it was never set up for me to be my best self. So instead I have to like override all these hurdles of the system and then I can be my best self, but it's only when I can conscientiously recognize it. Like that's what has to be done. Then I can start to shine in the ways that I was meant to shine. Yeah. It's really free. Yeah, for sure. Can you talk about why education around self-expertise is so important? And if you could dig into why this is so important for women of color specifically, because I think that layer is really important as well.
1: Yeah. I think for anyone it's freeing, but the more marginalized identities you hold, the more you're told to your point that it's almost like this question that you're asking of like, am I wrong? Am I like, is there something wrong with me, etc.? Because I'm seeing something held up to the model that looks very different from me. And again, the more marginalized identities you hold, the further you are from what is held as the model. So knowing that you are your own best expert is just invaluable because in some instances, there can be change that you will have in your system. But a lot of times it's this inner knowing that like, I know what is best for me. They may be telling me that this is what it should look like. Like going back to the example of a yoga pose that I should be able to do this, but I know that that doesn't work in my body Mm -hmm. or they should be telling me, or they could be telling me in ballet that like this came up for me. I have a big butt. I have a large derriere and (laughs) they would tell me like to tuck, And I'm like, I'm tucking my Mm -hmm. pelvis. I feel that in Mm -hmm. my body, but it wasn't the line that they wanted again, because now looking back, I'm like, Oh yeah, that was the system. That was not the self. Mm -hmm. And if I would have known that then I wouldn't have internalized it as my body is bad or wrong. I would have known. I'm my own best expert. I can trust that I know what tucking feels like in my body and I am doing that. That is their problem. So it keeps you from taking responsibility that is not your responsibility to carry, which again, going back to that word freedom that keeps coming up for me, it's very freeing to let go of all of these other projections and expectations that have nothing to do with what you know to be true about yourself. Such a great example. Thank you for sharing that it made me think
0: about something I've been thinking about recently as I've created, as I built businesses over the years. And a lot of times when I'm newer in a business that I'm building, I feel this pressure to do things in a certain way to meet the needs of certain people. So for example, I worked in the fitness industry for many years, a long time ago now, but I remember early on, I was like, anyone who wanted to hire me as a trainer, I was like, yes, I can, I am an expert at that. Like, so if I literally had like a 21 year old training for their first triathlon to like 78 year old um, rehabbing from knee replacement surgery. And I was just like, yes, I can do that. And I can do that. And I can do that. Cause I was like, I want to be the person that like can conform to anything to help anyone and get the business and look like I know what I'm doing. And at a certain point I was like, I don't want, like, no, I only want to work with women. First of all, like after working with a few men in their sixties who were lovely people, but I was just like, this is like, if I'm going to be hanging out with these people three times a week, like I want to work with like a woman in somewhere between like 30 and 45. <laughs> and so like being able to specify, like, where can I be my best in my gifts And then honor that versus bending to all the things I quote unquote thought I should do. And this has come up again, like when I was building the podcast, like everyone that would come to me with an idea, I'm like, yes, let's talk about that. And now I'm like, no, 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 no. (laughs) Here's what we talk about. Here's what we don't talk about. Like I have a lot more clarity and I think it is that self-expertise that requires a high level of discernment sometimes that we're not trained around (laughs) to be able to say like, I know enough about this within me that I'm going to like, this is a yes, or this is a no, or I'm going to do it this way and not that way. And be not just internally thoughtful about that, but also externally to be able to like verbalize and say like, yeah, no, I'm not doing that. (laughs) And I think that that, as we get older, I think sometimes we gain more clarity around that. But I know that for me, for sure, at times over the, you know, the last 20 years, I've really, really struggled with that.
1: Absolutely. I could imagine I've seen this in my own business where you make decisions rooted in your self-expertise that disappoint some people or confuse certain Mm. people. And so again, going back to like being that, that rootedness is really important Mm. because people may not understand. And then that's especially true when you're a woman of color, where people already may have a certain lack of understanding for your experience. So when you have that self-expertise, it makes it, it gives you a groundedness, a rootedness because people unfortunately are going to misunderstand you, whether unintentionally or unfortunately, sometimes intentionally. Yeah,
0: absolutely. I appreciate your point around the rootedness. I think when we have those roots, that grounding builds a lot of self-trust, but also a sense of confidence that like I'm rooted in this and not that. (laughs) And like, it's easier to find alignment. Can you talk a little bit about how self-expertise can lead to that grounding and rooting. And maybe if there's some specific steps or thoughts that you have around where that process, how we can begin that process.
1: Yeah. So I actually would bring this back to the definition that I use for self-care of listening within and responding in the most loving way possible, because that's really how you get grounded is by listening Mm -hmm. within And that's what leads to that outgrowth of the self-expertise. And so for people, what I tend to recommend for them is to take time to, let me even preface before I say take time, because I can know for some people, alarm bells are going off and they're like, I don't have time. It could be 30 (laughs) seconds. It could be a minute to connect with yourself. And I really do well when I pair this with something else in my day where it's like, okay, I have to walk my dog in the morning already. I'm not going to listen to a podcast while I walk my dog. That's my time to hear from myself. Mm -hmm. And then when I get back in, I can have podcasts or whatever, or for the first few minutes of my shower, it could be like, when I wash my hair, I'm hearing from myself. And then after that, once I wash my body, I can put on music, but finding those micro moments for you to have space just for your thoughts, because Mm -hmm. So many of us are constantly hearing from other people, whether it is your kids or having music in the background or having TV in the background or all of these different things. So to have that space to hear from yourself is huge and to start to learn how your inner wisdom speaks to you. So for some people that is through, I have a client who loves to do like voice notes and there's something about Mm -hmm. her externalizing her thoughts that allows her to hear like, this was actually me. This part wasn't me. That was like my (sighs) ex-boyfriend, but it could be journaling. Some people like to sit in silence, but I just want you to know that there are a lot of ways that you can hear from yourself and it's going to take some trial and error. Oh, that's so helpful. I want to address your example from the shower is such a great one.
0: I often will listen to a podcast while I'm working out. And then the pot, I will be done with my workout. The podcast is still going and I'm like carrying my phone upstairs, still listening, getting in the shower. still listening and what I realized that sometimes by the time I get, and then I'm like getting my child ready for school and getting out the door by the time I get him to school, it's so much input and it's like eight Oh seven AM. And like I've just had a lot of input and like, I don't know which way to look next in my day because I haven't had a moment to listen inward. And what I notice when I intentionally don't have any music or podcast or anything on when I'm in the shower I get the best downloads and like things come to me. Often I'll get an an idea for either a talk I'm about to give or a podcast episode or a training or something around curriculum I'm building, like really, really great ideas. And then I am, I'm like, like you said with voice notes, I'm like on my like in the shower making voice notes on my phone um, to make sure that I don't forget things because I often will forget them very quickly after I get out of the shower. So it is really that like. Giving yourself that space, and even if it's just for a few moments, and then I also think it's definitely listening to how or recognizing how your inner wisdom, how, when and where your inner wisdom speaks to you. So if I'm like lifting weights, I'm not gonna I don't get a lot of great ideas. But if I go for a run, all the ideas, like all my best ideas ever come from when I'm running. So I know that if I'm in like in a really stressful season of life and I need to process some stuff, like, no, thanks on the weight workout today. I'm going to go out for a run. Cause that's where that happens for me. Or if I'm needing to com- create content or I'm needing to whatever the thing is, like knowing how and where that happens versus trying to force it in an environment where I know it doesn't happen. Like it typically for me does not happen at my desk. And I think that piece is really important too, but that I agree. It takes some time and trial and error for sure.
1: And that's like hearing you talk about that, like so much self-expertise right there. And it came out of you caring for yourself intentionally. Like it came out of you going for runs and weightlifting and noticing what was good for different pieces. And so when you get out of the mainstream definition of self-care and really start listening within and responding with love, that's how you become an expert. You get so much data on yourself. Yeah. And I think that that, it becomes,
0: um, to your point around how it can be like, it becomes really freeing because you know, like, it's this, not that. And so then when you see the article around, like you, everyone needs to do this. And I mean, there's so many, it's so funny having come from the fitness industry where it's like, everyone needs to like work out before you go, it's the beginning of the day, not the end of the day, or you need to eat breakfast at this time and not that time, or eat this food and not that food or whatever. And when you practice things on yourself and you collect evidence as you go, all that noise becomes insignificant because the evidence that you're collecting is only going to be, it make, it's allowing you to create truth for what is true for you, which is not necessarily going to be true for like whoever wrote the article in Glamour magazine. Absolutely. <laughs> so women are expected to participate in many roles every day. And we are often left with so little time for ourselves, as you mentioned before, how can we hold space for ourselves on top of all of these roles. And I think that one of the things that's interesting to me as there's always, it feels like there's this balance between like getting older and wiser and recognizing the things that I'm good at and wanting to dig into those things and like share them with the world and participate in all the best ways. But then also recognizing like, you don't have to do all the things all the time. How can we hold
1: navigate that tension? Ooh, that's such like a, A nuanced question. So, the simple but not easy answer is to start to check in with yourself to notice, like, Mm. if I think about adding this other thing on my plate that on paper is very interesting to me, but in practice would require some time in an already tight schedule, how does that feel in my body? What starts happening? Do I start, like, oh, hyperventilating? But the thing that I would offer to people is again, this like grace in this space. So maybe you have something that you do know that you want to explore. Maybe you got inspired by me to start making paper. That doesn't mean that you need to now start a side hustle of a paper business on Etsy. That doesn't mean that all of your kids' invitations for birthday parties have to now be on homemade paper. You could maybe just like make paper once a month, yes, a couple times yes. a year because I would guess like a lot of the people who are listening to this are want to be really good in all of the roles that they hold. And so give yourself Mm -hmm. grace that you can explore something without having to make it like a whole new role and identity for you to hold. And then give yourself space, both little pockets of space, like we talked about before. But when you can see if there are larger times of space, which often requires communicating your needs And that's something I've been working a lot with folks on is that it's really hard to act on your self-expertise and to practice self-care without being able to communicate your needs, without being able to say, this is what I want. This is the support that I'm asking for. And so I think in order to get to where you want to go, it may require you building up some communication skills.
0: understood explains and it will pop right up click on it pick your episode and get the answers that you've been looking for and the support that you need around different learning differences and differences in school
2: hi there i'm andrea owen self-help author with 19 translations of my books global keynote speaker and life coach my podcast Make some noise has been serving up self-help in a simple to digest way for the last decade
0: I started laughing earlier when you were talking about the paper example because I know that I work with myself am one, but I work with a lot of highly ambitious type a overachiever kind of people, and I think that when we talk about integrating new habits or routines or just even like enjoying a hobby, we're like, Oh, I have to do it like as a hundred day challenge where it's like every day for a hundred days I have to do the thing, and I did a lot of that in my twenties and thirties and I'm thinking now, I'm like, why did I do that? It's because I was reading a lot of health magazines and that's what they were saying to do, like to integrate a new habit. You need to do it X amount of days in a row and then it becomes a habit. And and that maybe worked for a season, but at this point in my life, if I need to do something for any set days in a row, I don't have any interest in even trying it because I don't want to set, uh, it's just too many constraints and I don't want to set myself up for disappointment. And I don't want to add things to my to-do list that I have to do like a million times in a row. But I also think that when we look at, or not, but I should say, and I also think that when we look at bringing in something new, giving ourselves permission to like, I'm just going to try it once and see what happens. And then maybe I'll try it another time and maybe I won't, And maybe I'll try it again the next day or maybe in a week. And that permission, I think, feels really, really different. And then it actually, I think, allows that level, the enjoyment of that activity to feel nourishing instead of restrictive. There's like an expansiveness about it when I'm just going in kind of to explore versus like, I'm going to do it hundred days in a row (laughs) and check the box and give myself a
1: sticker. Absolutely. I love that word expansiveness. That's something I think about a lot. And the only thing I would add to that is With that idea of self-care is listening and responding. It really turns self-care into a conversation, which then Mm. like you are constantly having a conversation and it's a give and a take. And we're thinking about the context of the conversation. And it's not like, I need to do exactly this. When you're talking to someone who is so task oriented that all they do is tell you what you need to do. You don't enjoy that conversation. (laughs) So like Mm. make caring for yourself a conversation you want to enjoy being in. Oh, I love that. I want to go back and touch on communication because that piece is really
0: important as well. And I think that, um, I work with a lot of moms, but I think women really struggle with this overall who knowingly and unknowingly participate in what, um, are you familiar with the book burnout by Emily and Amelia Nagoski? Mm -hmm. So they talk about human giver syndrome and when we are, participating in human giver syndrome and giving to others all the time, we are not communicating our own needs because we're very focused on taking care of everyone else's needs. When we step back from that and recognize we become better self experts, then we do have to have this new level of communication around letting folks around us know what we need. And that can be really uncomfortable if you have been in the role of giver for a really long period of time. Can you talk a little bit about what that communication can look like? Maybe when we're talking to a partner or someone else in our household or close family, or even a close coworker where we're having to identify, like, here's a need that I have. And maybe we're setting a boundary or making an ask, but what that conversation can look like.
1: Yeah. So in the book, I have this framework called the desire matrix, or sometimes mm-hmm. I call it the desired outcome matrix. And it's all about How we can recognize that we have a need, a want, or desire, and get to the place or get closer to that being met. So I'll try my best to describe it, but there's like unmet and met as one axis, and then communicated or not communicated. So if something Mm -hmm. is unmet and not communicated, the first thing is we have to share what we want. And sometimes Mm -hmm. that means admitting to ourselves that we want something, that can sometimes be the biggest hurdle. If a need is unmet and it has not been shared yet, then you need to strategize with yourself or with the other person. Like, Hey, this is where I'm at. I asked for us to be here. It doesn't seem like we're getting there. What's going on. And you're working again. This could be internally purely where maybe it's like, I said that I was going to read this book and somehow I still haven't cracked open a page. Let's strategize for how we can make some progress for this if a need is, I'm like trying to do it in my head. If a need has (laughs) been met and you didn't even have to communicate, that's when you want to like celebrate. And I'm using the wrong, there's all these lovely S words, but that's when you want to celebrate like, oh my gosh, this happened. Thank you so much for doing this thing. And if a need is, this is so funny trying to do this. And then the last (laughs) one is to savor I'll just you did a really
0: good bit. job. You did a really good job. <laughs> I'm like picturing making, it in my head, building a graph in your head, building it out for us.
1: <laughs> I tried my best, and the last piece is to savor. When something has been met after you've spent a long time communicating it is to savor. Nice. So all of that, if you couldn't visualize it the same way I lost the picture in the middle, the part the piece where most people need to start is by actually stating it. That's what it's supposed to be is stating your need. And It's as simple as speaking from the eye and saying like, this is what I would like to happen. And again, a lot of people need to do this with themselves. I would like to be able to have 10 minutes to read my book every day and being as clear as that with yourself and then talking with your partner or whoever else would be required to help that happen. Maybe your kids to be like, okay, I've got 10 minutes here where we're all going to read together that was so good. That was so helpful. And I'll give what sounds probably
0: like a really silly example that might be relatable. I recently decided that I wanted to To watch the most recent season of Love is Blind. And I've never watched Love Is Blind before, but like the whole media. So for people who can't see us, Taylor just immediately threw her head back laughing. So I've are you have you watched Love Is Blind? Yes, I've watched every season. You've watched all of it. Okay. (laughs) For better or for worse. Like a year ago, I started hearing about it and I was like, yeah, like I don't have time. Now, don't get me wrong, I have plenty of time for real housewives, but I was like, I don't have time to like add another reality thing to my repertoire. But then when I heard it was based in Seattle and I'm in Seattle, I was like, okay, I'm kind of interested. And then I had friends watching it. And then I was like, okay, I really need to watch this. Well, my husband, we usually watch a little bit of TV at night together before we go to bed. And he was like, yeah, no, thanks. (laughs) So I like literally walking through your matrix. I'm like, okay, I had to like, kind of spend this moment with myself and be like, this is something I really want to do for myself. (laughs) And I'm not saying this is highly aspirational, but I was like, I really am curious about this. I'm going to do this. And so it was like a conversation with myself. I'm really curious. I want to do this. And then it was a conversation with him. Like, okay, cool. If you don't want to watch, I'm going to watch it on my own. And that means that like tonight I'm going to go do that. And you can be in this other room doing this other thing and cool. Okay. <laughs> but it was kind of working through that. And it, again, it's a really light and kind of silly example, but I think you can start to see where it's like, listen, that listening and where it's like, no, no, actually I really do want to do that thing. And now I'm going to go have a conversation with someone to be like, so I'm going to do the thing <laughs> and truly savored it. <laughs> and I'm not fully done with it. I still have a couple episodes left, but I'm savoring it. And so glad that I had listened to myself and then had that and made my
1: statement so that I could do that. I think that is like the perfect example, especially because like, we can be like, oh, that's frivolous that I want to watch this, or I already watched these other shows. I shouldn't do this. And to be like, no, 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 this is something I want. How can I make space for this? Right. And I think sometimes using those lighter
0: examples and practicing with those lighter things makes way to integrate, well, to be more grounded, to kind of go full circle here, like to be more grounded when the more significant stuff comes up. I can practice standing up for myself when I want to watch Love is Blind, which I know sounds ridiculous. Then when there's like something more significant happening in my life, in our family's life, in the world, what what have you, I can recognize like, okay, here's a moment where I know that I feel this way about something. And here's a moment where I know that I need this thing. And now I'm going to go to this person and say, here's what I need. And like, you can, you have some practice going through that matrix now, which translates when there's a higher stakes situation. I love that.
1: Can you talk a little bit about your biggest takeaway that you learned from writing the book? My biggest takeaway? Well, one, I got diagnosed with ADHD afterwards. So I was like, oh, all of this stuff now makes sense. But I'm also a recent diagnosed person as well. When you were saying some stuff, I was like, I wonder if that's something she deals with. But yeah. (laughs) So that was one thing where I was like, Oh, everything I had had to, everything I was going through made sense. But I think the biggest Mm -hmm. takeaway was how well supported I am. Like my community really showed up for me and I can lean into giving too much. And so to be in places where like someone let me use their hotel points so that I could write for a weekend, like all of Mm -hmm. these things, like things would go wrong. And then people would show up for me. It was just like so lovely. And when things were going right, and it was just like, tell us how many words you wrote today and we'll like send you gifts in the group chat to hype you up. So cool. So cool. Oh my gosh. I love that. Um, And I feel like now you have
0: to write a whole new book. (laughs) <laughs> not to replace this one, but like as in second edition or not second edition, but um, part two to, to move forward with this piece, because I think that there's, oh my goodness, there's like a whole new level of self-expertise that comes when you're like, oh wait, I have been yeah. navigating, my brain has been navigating something in the background for my entire life that I didn't know about.
1: <laughs> it's really funny though, because all of the things that I wrote about and how I've approached this is like so works so well for people who have ADHD. I just didn't have the language to to say it. So it's right. It's, yeah. I was like, oh, I wish I could just add an addendum. Like, yeah, <laughs> this is why I said this thing, or this is why I said that thing. Oh my gosh. I love it. I love it so
0: much. So everyone, I feel like now we've pointed out this book is great for women. It's great for moms. It's great for people of color. It's great for people with ADHD or differently wired brains. So can you tell people just a little bit about who this book is for beyond what I just said, or anything that you want to add, um, so that people can know if they should go out and get the book, which PS they should.
1: <laughs> yeah. I would really say it's, it's for people who want to, feel cared for. Like, yes, all of those groups that we've Mm, talked about, but people who want to experience care and not just like do a bunch of tasks because someone told them that that was self-care.
0: Yes, 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 yes. Can you tell us how you're currently showing up shamelessly?
1: Yeah, I am showing up shamelessly. This one is so silly because it's actually me not showing up, but like I've had so much weirdness around Instagram and I've like gone completely off Instagram and come back, but there's so much power in being like, I'm not going to share today. Cause I have nothing to share today. On, like on stories, I don't even try with feed most of the time. And now I am like having this thing that's happening that like, I'm not even sure if everyone's going to care about, but I care about like just totally only posting when I want to post what I want to post feels probably to some people like really basic as how as to how you should use social media but it feels revolutionary and shameless for me.
0: Um that's such a great example. Um yes, especially when you're in the space of entrepreneurship and you come from like everyone should have a social media schedule. <laughs> Love that. Love it. Oh my goodness. This has been such a great conversation, Taylor. I so appreciate you, the work that you're doing, the way that you were able to show up for this conversation and share so much wisdom with us. Can you tell people where they can find you, connect with you, get the book and all that good stuff?
1: Yes. The best place to go is to the website, innerworkout.co. There'll be a link right there for the book and also for our free assessment. And then I was just talking about on Instagram. I'm kind of on Instagram at Taylor Elise Morrison. That's E-L-Y-S-E. And then Inner Workout is kind of on Instagram at Inner Workout. But the best way to connect to us is to go on our website and sign up for our newsletter.
0: I love the kind of on
1: Instagram. (laughs) Yeah. I'm like, I'll give you a place, but you just (laughs) might not say hi to me there. (laughs) Right. Have zero expectations because I'm
0: going to do it my way. Um, Can you tell people, you just mentioned an assessment. Do you want to explain
1: yeah what so that is. the assessment is actually the foundation for the book so it okay. measures your well-being across five dimensions and then gives you a few practices based on your results and then the book Ooh. like really builds out my thoughts on self-care self-expertise and then gives you places to work on based on these dimensions and subdimensions but you can take the assessment for free and i found okay. so many i mean thousands of people have taken it at this point so many people find it as like a helpful check in point
0: Oh, perfect. Okay. So I will link everything up in the show notes. So if people go to shamelessmom.com, click on the episode with Taylor Morrison, and then um, we will link through directly to your website, to the assessment, to get the book and also to the kind of on Instagram, the two accounts that you mentioned your personal account and then the inner workout account. Oh my goodness, Taylor. Thank you so much for being here. This was so great. When you write the next book, whether it's on ADHD or not, you got to come back and we'll do this again. This was really fun. And I so appreciate the work that you're doing.